An enormous crab walks into a bar and says to the bartender, I demand one pint of lager. I will pay the full price, provided that the following criteria are met. The beer should be served to me within one minute of ordering and at a temperature of between six to nine degrees Celsius. The beer should be served in a clean, cold glass, and a beer mat must be provided. If the quality of the provided beer does not meet my high standards, you must agree to refund the full amount charged and provide any additional financial compensation for any discomfort, stress, or time wasted. The bartender looks at the crab and says, Why the big claws? This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hello, my friends. I apologize for my tardiness in getting this out to you. The past few weeks have been immeasurably busy and technologically unsound. I did go out with good intentions. I took my laptop out on the road with me, and I downloaded Audacity knowing that I would be able to figure out an easy program like that and get a podcast out while I was out on the road. And guess what, friends and neighbors? I just couldn't get it right. Um, Had the right microphone, had the right settings. I don't know where my disconnect was, but unfortunately, it happened. I will put in some hours uh, before the next road trip that I have or before the next uh, extended absence from my honeycomb that I have. And I will uh, do my best to attempt to not let uh, this lag happen again. Hey, and welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you came back uh, to listen to me again. Um, I will set forth as much wisdom as I possibly can, uh, given the circumstances. (laughs) And we know what the circumstances are. So I spent um, spent the last several weeks out on the road. I, I told you about the Genie Convention, how awesome it was. And honestly, the, the more I think about it, the more I look over my notes and, and quite frankly, just reminisce about some of the conversations that I had with some wonderful people there, um, I, the more I learn. And, and not just uh, techno, techno, technologically, as far as my business and my craft goes, the technical aspects, I think, have taken a, a large leap in my abilities, uh, just from, from talking with certain people and and uh, listening to their wisdom, but also uh, uh, being able to, to form new ideas for new presentations. There's a, a piece that I debuted at the Magic Castle known as Rugby, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, I've been working on that thing for over a year and just couldn't quite get it right. Well, my time at Genie uh, sent me an inspiration and sent me a, a possible presentation for the thing and it went down like gangbusters it was it was phenomenal so i got back from genie i cut the podcast from from last week which uh, a lot of you listened to uh, some some new numbers uh popped up and again i shouldn't watch the numbers and i shouldn't read the comments but doggone it i do it anyway i i watch my numbers and i i like to see who's watching so we had a big boost in uh listenership uh, from the last podcast, which you think would be great incentive for me to get one out on time the next week. But alas, such is my life. My number one priority is the show. 
uh, getting the show done, getting the show right. And these things, these musings and everything are very, very important to me. But the show has to come first. That's, that's what I'm all about. That's what I was made to do. Picked up a bit of a, of a chest congestion while traveling, but that's just airport stuff that happens. And especially this time of year, it happens. So I came home from Jeannie and I cut the podcast and I, and I packed my bags and I drove up to uh, rural Pennsylvania to do a show at the Nimicolin Resort there. The folks with uh, Park West Gallery were, as always, incredibly hospitable and, and, and very wonderful to work with. Um, some, some new artists there that, uh, that, that took my eye and I had a, a fabulous show. I had an absolutely wonderful show. Um, still reeling from it. I, I had put up rugby to, uh, to them first to, to practice it in front of a, you know, trial by fire. I had rehearsed a thing, you know, if you're a performer, if you're a magician specifically, we are, we are swamped with mediocrity and there is no excuse for not rehearsing and not practicing, especially if you, if you call yourself a professional and you're doing this for uh, on a daily basis, if, if it is your major source of income. But even if it isn't, even if you were just doing this part-time, if you were a part-time pro or, or a, a high-ranked amateur and you, and you want to present your craft, your art, to the public, you owe it to your public to be the best you could possibly be, to not settle for, you know, this plays, it plays well, uh, it gets a good reaction. That's, that's average, I mean, yeah, of course you can rest on average, and yes, you can, you can do that for your entire life. But why live in mediocrity? Why not? Why not live life, and in living life, give your absolute best and, and beyond what you even think you can do, to the ability and the craft that's been put in your hands to do. That's just my point of view. Your mileage may vary. So I had a great time there. I flew out of uh, Pittsburgh at. Five o'clock in the morning, uh, over to L.A., picked up by Eddie and Lily. Well, picked up by Eddie. Lily was uh, indisposed at the time and had, had other things she needed to do. But Eddie and I got together <clears throat> that uh, that Sunday, the 15th of October, I think it was. I don't have my calendar in front of me, so I'm kind of speculating. But we went over uh, to a, a fabulous diner that, that I love, um, whose name suddenly escapes me. Boy, I'm going to be I'm going to be firing uh, no parts of my brain today, but pens sounds right. Um, very very popular place. We waited about thirty minutes for a table. Well worth it. Uh, Eddie had breakfast. I had lunch because <laughs> that's the time of day it was for me. Um, and we uh, we had long talks about. Hollywood and, and me moving out there and what, you know, what I anticipate and what he thinks might come about and, and being a grown-up in a in a entertainment field, you know. It, Eddie is a, is a spectacular human being, one of the best friends I've ever had. He uh, He's a very no-nonsense, but lives an incredible, whimsical life at the same time. Um, and, and the life he's lived has... Uh, has proved inspiring to me and, and the way he approaches things. I, I have never, and I know it happens because I've heard stories, but I've never seen Eddie angry. I've never seen him mad to the point of even frustration. He seems to let 
you know, let those things just wash over him. He, he's, he's very slow to anger, from what I can tell, from, from all my experience with him. And he's got a, a genuine heart for bringing people joy. So spending any time with him is, uh, is always tremendous. It's always uplifting, and, and it's a great intro to coming into, you know, working a week at the castle or being a part of the Hollywood scene. Uh, he, he always sets my mind just right. And we went home, and we hung out with Lily for a while, and Lily is is battling a lot of, of demons and a lot of things that have come up to her in her personal life, and man, she's handling it like a champ. She doesn't think she is, but she absolutely totally is. She is losing, uh, well, I'm not going to go into her own problems, that's none of my business to to, to, um, to broadcast here, but suffice it to say, she's she's had some real hurdles come up over the past year. Um, and you know she closed down her Monday night show, and so she is still on Monday nights. It's it's a whole thing of I should be doing something. I should be getting ready for something, and then having that void there. But from my opinion, and from from talking to her and, and listening to to her plans and the way she's doing things, it's a scary ride, but she's handling it well. And I, I can't wait to be out there to be a part of the, the creativity that's going to exist in the house. Um, when, when the four of us are there, me and Eddie and Lily and Rob, uh, Rob the balloon guy, who has the most unique sense of humor I think I've ever run across. Anyway, um, I did um, I did 31 shows at the castle um, in seven days. 31 20-minute shows uh, in seven days, which it, it, it's taxing. But it's wonderful, and, and I went to bed exhausted every single night, and I'm physically sore from, from the workout of, of you know physically doing those shows. I'm not a, a high-energy kind of performer by any means, but there's a lot that goes on, and there's a lot, uh, there's a lot of body language that happens in that, and a lot of uh, actual physical activity. You'd think I'd be in better shape. Um, but, but it was uh, spectacular. There's some, some certain incidents I want to... I want to cover um, that are important to me. First of all, um, let's talk about fear. Let's talk about uh, walking through fear and, and being a coward. Because I, I started off the week completely cowardly. I'm, I'm not ashamed to, to tell you. I came there set and prepared because um, Jack Goldfinger, who is the uh, current entertainment director out of the castle, had mentioned that the board of directors had mentioned to him that I should have new material the next time I come, that I, I should uh, I should not present things that I had presented before. And as you know, if you're, if you're a fan of mine, I don't have a huge repertoire. I sit with material for a very long time because, well, it's me. The pieces that I'm very proud of and that I have built to a certain level of excellence. And um, there's an old philosophy that says the amateur changes his act and the professional changes his venues. So I change my venues. I, I do a lot of different clients and I travel quite a bit to different audiences. So I, I'm not always looking for the next big thing or adding new ideas to the act, which allows me 
to rehearse and practice and do the things that I know already, know and love, and and make them better. Strive for a little bit better here and a little bit more polished over here. And try this joke this way and try the inflection that way. It makes a huge difference in the quality of what you're putting out if you remain consistent to the, the product that you're putting out. It's like new Coke, you know. You, you, they, they did that. I know the whole thing was a big publicity stunt just to, just to get attention, but they changed the formula a little bit and people lost their minds. Um, it, that you, it, there's a certain amount of professionalism and comfort in the familiar. Now, yes, of course, there are times when, when pieces become, if it becomes boring to me, if it, if it becomes irrelevant to me anymore, I will look for something new to replace an older piece. That's just, that's just art and evolution in art. But for the most part, I stick with what I know. So the board had asked Jack to ask me to bring in a new piece, and I had been working on rugby, which is a multiple card selection. Ten cards chosen, uh, ten cards, and in a very, very fair way, lost in, in a deck of cards in a very, very fair way, and then individually found in increasingly more amazing uh, revelations. Um, uh Finding one card is 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 uh, is what a lot of uh, a lot of us hang a, a plot on is the finding of one card. Um, I was inspired from several different sources: Doc Eason, Paul Cummins, uh, Helder Gamirez, um, You know, to to multiple selections to find a whole bunch of different cards and to put my own feeling and my own story and my own spin behind it, so that it becomes. My piece, the piece that I put out, has to has to resonate with me, or it's just not going in the act. So, I brought this piece that I call rugby, um, because of a scrum, uh, to the castle, and I was prepared to do it Monday night. And I came in and I set up my room and I got everything the way I wanted it. And just before going on, the act that's on before me, the the early close-up show, Jonathan Levitt, who is a supreme, superb, amazing magician, as well as being a phenomenal human being all by himself, um, came in and we chatted, and, and Jack Goldfinger came in to make sure I was there, and I was comfortable and everything was okay, and we chatted. And I told Jack that I had brought new things, and he's like, well, you know, we uh, we did like the old stuff. We do like the what you're doing. And I said, well, you told me the board wanted me to bring in new material, and Jack said, well, yeah, but most people ignore what I say anyway, so just do what you feel you're comfortable with. Give them a good show. I know you will. I know you give them a good show, but, uh, you know, do what you want. We, we trust you. So the I'm not going to say the coward side of my mind, but the more cautious side of my performing mind went well. You have your act that you know cold, that you know that you, you rehearse every day and, and is a proven, you know, winner. Why don't you do that instead? And that way you can focus more on, on uh, interreacting with the people that are there. It's an easy way out is what I'm telling you. I took the easy way out. Oh, plus that, in addition to uh, Mr. Levitt mentioned that in his act, he did a multiple selection. 
that he does uh, in, in the act that he was presenting at the castle. He was doing a multiple selection, and I thought, well, there is going to be some crossover. There can be some people that see his act and come back later to see mine. And if we're kind of doing the same effects, you know, maybe maybe that's not a good thing. So I, I justified all that in my head. And Monday night and Tuesday night, I did... Uh, I did the old act. I did the standard, um, this strange engine um, act, which went over great, and the people loved it, and they cheered, and 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 they waited in line to see me, and it was amazing. And in the back of my head, I'm going, "You're cheating yourself, you know. You have this great thing you've been working on for a year. When are you going to put it out in front of the public? When are you going to take a chance on an act that you think is great, but might actually fail?" That, that, that might actually not go down in front of the audience the way you think it might. And let me tell you, when you're standing on a, on a, on a brand new piece, uh, something that, that takes a lot of concentration, a lot of, if you'll pardon the expression, a lot of sleight of hand, and has, has gone through numerous changes in over a year where I tried to adapt it to my own feeling, and also laying bare a new part of my heart that I haven't put out there before, all of those things, you know, ran together in my mind, and I thought, well, maybe I'll give it another couple of months and I'll debut it somewhere else. So I let that side of my head talk me out of it, and I paid the price for it because when I wasn't performing, I was kind of beating myself up about it. I was like, you, you, you've worked on this thing. It is ready. And as I've always preached to you, as, as I've as been a constant uh, constant words coming from my mouth, we have to fail we have to put out a piece or, or, or some part of our heart that may be failed or, or it may uh, may be accepted. You know, you, you got to take the chance. You, you, if you don't take the chances, you have the chance to become stagnant. And stagnant, as far as my work and as far as my art, is completely unacceptable. Uh, it, it's right up there with mediocrity. If, if, if people are enjoying what I do and what I put out and the, the elf boots and, you know, the bookends, the, the, the Pringles acts, which good Lord has been around for 20 years now, uh, the, the, the roadhouse, the cards across, the coin in the cylinder, silver dreams, all the, all the other things, if they're still being accepted and loved and, and people are enjoying them and I, and I feel that I am improving on them as they go, yes, they'll stay in the act. But if it ever comes to a point where... They are irrelevant, or, or I don't have that feeling anymore. I overcome a certain whatever that, that produced those. They will change, and, and, and I'll replace them. It, it, it's growth. It's evolution. It's art, and that's the way that it should be. So I'm, I'm wandering, and I, and I apologize for that back in front of the mic after a couple of weeks. Any, anyway, um, so at, at, in one sense, I'm giving them a great show, and it does my heart good, and, and I love to see them uh, because I'm unexpected. I'm not quite the kind of act that most magicians are. I, I, I'll say it straight up and without, you know, without fear of, of my ego bursting all over you. I'm different. I, I strive for the excellence within myself. And that sets me apart from all the other magicians. Now, I'm not saying that 
my act is better than theirs. I am not saying that my act is is superior in any way. What I am saying is that I am different and I'm not what you expect and I will delight my audience on a different plane than any other magician out there, any any other entertainer out there. It all comes together as, a, as the unique package that I have put together as me. Now, forgive me if that sounds overblown, but it's a fact. Roll your eyes if you want to. I'm still going to believe it. Um, it's part of my exercise in loving myself more, in recognizing where my strengths are. And boy, my art, my craft, my show is a huge strength. It is a very, very powerful thing um, that was created in me and that I have nurtured. So getting back to the story, finally, Monday and Tuesday, I did the act, the, the Hannibal Unleashed Act. And then I heard on Wednesday that Jonathan Levitt was going to have his act uh, recorded on Thursday. And the, uh, the camera dude, uh, Mr. Goldberg, um, asked Dan Goldberg, asked me if, uh, if I'd like for him to record my act as well. Since he would have the camera there, he'd be all set up. And, and I, yeah, of course I would have jumped on the chance. And now my brain is telling me, hey, you know, you can record your act again, or you can incorporate rugby and have a, a fresh recording of that as it debuts at the castle. And then down the road, six months, a year of performing the thing, record it again and see how it's grown, see where it's gone, you know. Take the, uh, take the chance, take the opportunity. So I girded up my loins, and Wednesday night I presented uh, rugby as, as not only debuting it at the castle or, or anywhere in public, but also as a means of rehearsing it before I put it on camera, before I put it on film. And uh, guess what, boys and girls? It went over huge. It went over amazingly well. There's less humor. There's a lot more magic, but it's, it's all 100% Hannibal. And I'm really, really proud of the way it, it came out. When I finally incorporated the audience element into it, tremendous. Better than I expected. Um, still things, of course, that need to be polished and things that need to be rethought and maybe reset. But... But man, the idea is sound, and and the execution is very sound, and I'm very very pleased um, with with where it landed on its initial debut. So here's where it gets interesting. Here's where the week kind of just um, I, man, I don't I don't even know. Okay, yeah, I'm just gonna tell you the story straight up. Uh, some of you, uh, those of you that I that I love dearly and I know won't judge me. Uh, are going to see video clips of this sometime soon because uh, the entire night was recorded. Thursday night rolls around. I put on my, my freshest duds and I do my hair up right and I get my rehearsal in early in the day and I'm ready to go. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm set and I'm confident in what I'm going to present. And the very first show of the night, I put out rugby. I had two young ladies seated, seated at the table who were fantastic. They were reacting just the right way. They were laughing in all the right places, so they were getting the jokes. Their faces were incredibly uh, receptive and, and expressionful. Expressionful? That's a word? 
man, I, I need to practice my writing more and get my words straight. They had great expression when something amazed them or when they found something funny, they, they, they were perfect, which is important because in the setup, in the close-up gallery at the Magic Castle, you cannot see the audience. You can hear them fine, but the, the camera is behind all the heads and shooting over top of them. So the only representation of the audience I have are the people up on stage with me, the people seated at the table with me. And, and I could not have asked for better. They were wonderful. The video, by the way, uh, of that show is posted up on YouTube. You can find it. I will, I will put a link uh, to it the uh, in the um, in the notes for this particular podcast, you can go directly to it. That was the very first show of the night, and I, I I screwed up a few things. Now, watching it again and watching it with a couple of friends, um, they aren't noticeable. They they wouldn't. You cannot tell that I had a mistake, that I had a mishandling in one point, that things went a little bit wrong. Um, but I did, man, I was, I was up there going, ah, of course the cameras are rolling and I've got, uh, I just, I just made a, a faux pas that I've got to climb out of, which I did. And, and the audience did not notice that I, I, I didn't lose any momentum. I didn't lose any of the audience in, in that spot. And I brought it to a very successful conclusion and, uh, very, very pleased. But I, I told, after the room had cleared, after the show was over, I uh, talked to the camera guy and I'm like, you know, I'm just, I, I messed up in this one place and I, do you mind staying and, and recording another one? Just let's do one more and and maybe I'll get a better take out of it. I'm not unpleased with this because like I said, the audience was fantastic uh, and, and, it, and I only messed up in one place. But he agreed, great guy, nice guy. We reset and we let the second audience in. And the second audience was... I'm going to write out on a limb the worst audience I have ever had in the history of my performing. Ever, ever. And I know, you you know, you don't blame the audience. It's, it's not their fault. But holy cow, people, this was their fault. This was a straight-up ball-busting audience from hell. Now... In retrospect, and in looking at the recording, because holy cow, I've got the entire show recorded. He did not stop recording. Um, watching from the perspective of watching from the audience, uh, this is the, my caveat before I tell you the whole thing. It There's a difference in standing up there and having to, to pilot the show and deal with everything that you see that's going on around you versus sitting in the audience and, and watching it. Because it's not entirely apparent. You can tell they're bad. You can tell that, that they are purposefully either trying to screw the show up on purpose or just so far gone in their alcohol imbibing that they, they don't care anymore and they think they're the center of attention or, or whatever it is. It, it doesn't seem as bad watching from the audience, but man, I was, I, uh, I don't get angry on stage. I don't, um, I don't lose my temper and I didn't lose my temper, but man, I, I was steaming. I was, I was really, really, really angry, uh, by the time the thing was over. Okay. So 
um, a group of young ladies and gentlemen, I'm going to put them in their late 20s, perhaps their early 30s, um, guests of the castle. They were not members. There were eight to ten, and I never really got a full number, eight to ten of them that came in to the showroom, which comfortably holds 30 people. So they're a third of the audience. Came in, there was a young lady I wanted to sit at the table that, in retrospect, I should have stuck with my guns and, and brought her in. It was my initial, um, my initial gut feeling was like, she'll be a good audience member or a good person to have up front. But circumstances and geography of the room would have made it difficult to get her into, uh, into the table. I should have done it anyway. I should have, like I said, I should have gone with my gut instinct. Uh, but I didn't want to. I didn't want to put her to any inconvenience, so I, I let her go, and I looked for somebody else. I made poor choices. Uh, it happens. I. Uh, I. They didn't display the kind of behavior that they eventually would when they were coming into the room. But the two women that were seated with me. Um, were way into their cups. Uh, I should have noticed that uh, one of the women came to the table um, double fisting. She had two drinks in her hands already, and she was sipping back and forth between the two of them. Not a good sign. Um, they had... Uh, the, the Dodgers had just cinched a place in the World Series or in the playoffs. I, I, I'm not a sports ball guy entirely, but they had just done something impressive, the L.A. Dodgers. So before the show even started, this group of 10 people were uh, high-fiving each other and, and being sloppy over each other and chanting Dodgers, 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 again and again, which, warning, warning, um, one of them... Because I sit in the room as people come in. I watch for who's coming in, and I choose who I want seated at my table. And one of the, the guy who sat ended up sitting right in front of me uh, in the front row. Uh, kept making uh, jokes about my weight and and uh, how disgusting I looked and how he was a real man. There was, was, was a lot of that going on, which I can ignore because the show wasn't wasn't going on, you know, and it's not an uncommon thing in my life. Um, but he was being he was just being a jerk about it. And I w I'm going in my head. What's my best move here? Do I, do I make him a hero? Do I, do I, you know, set him up at the beginning to, to, you know, to shine and maybe you know do something something cool in front of his friends that they can talk about later? Do I just ignore him? You know, what, what's what's the best move? And while I'm thinking about that, the uh, the security dude, the head of security dude, uh, comes into my room, which does not happen. He came in, and he came in with a, with a friend. He came in with somebody else, like a side guy. And I'm, I'm thinking, okay, there's a problem. There's something's going on. And I asked him, I said, is there someone I should keep an eye on? Is there, is there something you want to do? Like he came in like he was coming in to remove someone. But he said no. He was just keeping an eye on a couple of people. And I could guess which couple of people he was talking about. I came to find out later that one of the group, one of the one of the evil 10, um, had thrown a glass in another room, had just like whipped one against a wall or maybe thrown it at a performer. And I never got a clear story on exactly what happened other than someone threw a glass. 
And you don't do that. Not not in this club. Not in this wonderful, exclusive, magical kind of a place. It's just not a done thing. So my host came in and he announced me and we started in. And it was apparent from the very beginning. Um, they had their own agenda. They were going to talk about what they were going to talk about. They were going to ignore what I was doing, saying, and presenting. They were grabbing at props and they were... Um, telling each other jokes and and I, I I kept I kept a certain amount of control, but it's like I would remind them you're in a show, you're disturbing other people, and and they would go, oh, okay, we get it, we get it, and they'd be calm for a thirty seconds or forty seconds, and then it would be like they forget. And watching the and watching the video, you can kind of see. She's one of the one of the girls at the table is chastising herself. Yes, yes, be quiet, be quiet. And then you see her face change. You go, oh, there's a party going on. And off she goes again. And a couple of times, uh, Mr. Security Dude looks at me and gives me a kind of a, do you want me to take care of them kind of a thing? And I, I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to interrupt the show. And I was still 60% in control I had not lost control, and more importantly, I hadn't lost the 20 people that were genuinely enjoying both shows that were going on in the room. I'm going to tell you, when, when I'm sitting in that experience, and I know, you know, there are some people who simply will not tolerate it and will stop the show and have the people removed and everything else, but but my philosophy on that, and this is, comes from working comedy clubs, and it comes from just years and years and years of working on the street, most of the time I can bring them around. I can do something that will bring them back to it and give them a good experience. And even if I can't, if I cannot win the front row, the second and third rows are getting a show that nobody else is ever going to get. They're getting not only my presentation, the best that I'm able to deliver it with all the distractions that are going on, but they're also experiencing the the... The, the the doors are open in the zoo aspect of the way that the the the, the other ten were acting. You know what I mean? It, it it was its own episode happening right in front of you, unfolding. And what's going to happen? And where's the drama going to go? And how is Hannibal going to get out of this one? You know. So I tend to let it ride. And man, I let it ride. I, uh, I was getting more and more angry. I was getting more and more frustrated. But I was able to give a good magic show. Not up to my standards, but it was good. When I got towards the end and it was time to present rugby now, rugby requires some thinking and some effort on the part of the audience. My front row and the two ladies seated at the table with me were incapable of the level of control and thought that it would have taken for me to present that piece successfully. That may be a fault of my own, um, not preparing for that level of intoxication and exuberance. But I made a judgment call and I thought this this audience will not, there's I cannot bring this to a successful conclusion. But but I can present a, a card act that I can bring to a successful conclusion 
one that is road tested and has been successful in biker biker bars on comedy nights. You know, I've done it commando, just straight out of the box with no props and and you know nothing but a deck in my hand and 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 made it successful. So I knew full confidence that I could bring it around, and I actually told them. I told the the other two thirds. This is not the act I want to bring to you, but I'm not capable of doing that act, so enjoy this one. Please come back and see me again, and I will give you the other act, and I'll happily present that to you. And even so, it was a very near thing. They could not pay attention. They were, they were getting angry with me because I was not allowing them to have their own party in my showroom. I was not allowing them to tell jokes in my showroom. Um, and I finished up successfully. I got a good reaction. Uh, it was a, it was a fight and I was shaking at the end of it. And I, I got it right. I did win out in the end. I did present the show to its conclusion, to a very successful conclusion. One that I could be very proud of, especially given the obstacle that I had to fight over. Keith Fields, who is a British magician that I admire very much, uh, was in the audience. And uh, after the show, he came down to me and clapped me on the shoulder and whispered in my ear, he said, you are a god to handle that and the way that you did and the, the way you brought it out. So admiration from my peers, admiration from somebody that I respect an awful lot. You know what? I'll take it. I will absolutely take it. It'll, it'll help me get through to the next show, and and all shall be well. And so it was. And the group was, uh, as soon as they left my showroom, re- reportedly were escorted out of the building um, and uh, sent off into the Hollywood night to fend against the vampires for themselves. That was a learning process. Um... I I got notes from several different people in the castle, uh, making sure that I was okay, making sure that I, I would be back, that I wasn't going to take that bad experience and, and write it off and say, never coming back to the castle again with blah, blah, blah. And that's, that's not going to happen. I did post about it on the Facebook page, the, uh, the Academy of Magical Arts Facebook page, and related that particular show to the masses just to... The the thing I'd like to know, that, that I'd like to take away from it, I don't really have a purpose other than which member brought them in, whose guests were they, and has anything been said to them? Have they been shown any of the security tapes or, or, or what happened in there, and, and have they addressed it? I don't know. After they left my room, it stopped, it kind of stopped being my business, you know? I gave my good show. I, uh, contractually fulfilled my obligation and spiritually filled my obligation. I, I did not let myself completely down. Um, I did not walk out of the show. I did not stop the show. I gave 30 people in varying, varying degrees a, a really good show. So I'm proud of that. So we did that. Uh, I, I have it all <laughs> recorded. It's somewhat frustrating. Um, Mr. Goldberg agreed to stay for the third show, and we recorded that as well. It's 
it's good and I, and the handling is better but in my opinion the um the, it doesn't play as well because the audience is not as engaged part of that may be my fault coming off of the the, the horrendous second show that I had but in looking at it and watching it it takes them longer to get into it takes them longer to get into it. And they're, they're kind of a little bit deadpan at the beginning. Um, eventually they do grow into it and they do appreciate it and they, and, and, and they get a sense of wonder at it, but their reactions are nowhere near what the first show was. So uh, in going to YouTube, I, I chose, I put it out to the Patreon people to vote on to see which one they like better. And from the feedback that I got, they overwhelmingly... Uh, liked the first show better than the third. Um, so I went with that. And that one, as I said before, is up on YouTube um, under my channel entitled Rugby. There will be a link in the description uh, if you'd like to go and watch it um, and send any feedback you'd like. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Uh, I'm very proud of the piece, personally. Um, I had lots of great time with friends while I was out there. Um Spent some time with Andrea, who was just a delightful, delightful uh, young woman uh, who uh, came into my life about a year ago. Good, good friend, good listener, uh, artist in her own right, uh, Ren girl. Um, we got to spend some time together. We had dinner uh, Monday night, as, as it turns out. And then we got together with some like a group of friends on Wednesday. Um, I like her friendship. I, I like her her conversation. She's a wonderful person, and uh, and she's a you know she's an LA person. She's a California girl. Um, so uh, interesting to see where our friendship goes from that point forward. From from me moving out there, um, I have yet. I know she bakes, and I know she's she's a she's a good cook, but I have yet to taste uh, anything she's made. I'm looking forward to that. Um, so we had a we had a delightful dinner. Monday, and then hanging out with friends, hanging out with with Tim and Sarah and Eddie and Lily and and some other people that I didn't know very well. Um, just had a fantastic time with with good friends. I had the uh, the all too rare opportunity to have a long lunch with my friend Lindsay, who I've known for man decades now. Um, back for, in my Carolina Renaissance Fair days, before I was even working there, when I was just a patron. Uh, she and I became friends and um, had had lunch with her. Gosh, let me get this right. I had lunch with her on Thursday, and then she and her husband came uh, Friday, and we had dinner at the castle together. And he's he's a he's a straight arrow, nice guy, heck of a nice guy. Um, questionable taste in hats, but that's just my own. <laughs> he he wears a cowboy hat, and uh, you know, good on you, man. You do you. And, 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 and I'm not going to judge you. It's just, it's, it's, it, my taste is different and I shouldn't even bring it up, but it makes me chuckle. Uh, Lindsay's a great friend and has been for a long time. Um, the stuff she's seen me through, boy. Uh, <laughs> uh, but then she, she and her husband came Friday and we, uh, we caught one of the shows together, caught uh, uh, Mike, who usually works the hat and hair down at the uh, down at the castle he had a parlor show mentalism show which was uh full guns man 
came out and uh, had just owned the room. Beautiful job, beautiful work. Um, and then they came to see my show, and uh, and I had a <laughs> had an odd heckler, but uh, all in all, good times with friends, good atmosphere. I in my in my blog briefly. I made a comparison. I'm, I'm looking at my life here in Charlotte, and I'm looking at my future life in L.A. <coughs> Excuse me, no cough button. <coughs> and now, of course, I'm going to start. I have, hold on, I have my halls nearby. This, uh, I knew this congestion thing was going to pop up, so I have my halls nearby so I can continue to talk in my deep, resonating, rolling voice. Um, pardon me unprofessional radio, semi-professional podcast. Um, <clears throat> where, what was I talking about? Okay, friends and blah, blah. Oh, oh, comparing Charlotte to L.A. Um, and the comparison basically goes, Charlotte is full of memories. I've been here since my childhood, literally since my very first memories have, have been, my home has been Charlotte, North Carolina. I've traveled all over the world and I compare every place I go to Charlotte because I love this city. But the comparison goes along the lines of Charlotte is full of memories and Charlotte is green and Charlotte is peaceful in my heart. And it's a, it's a resting place for me to come home to like a cemetery, green and peaceful and full of memories. And if I want to stay at the level I'm at, if I want to try to produce things here in Charlotte, if I want to expand my footprint based on being based in Charlotte, that's what it's going to be. Los Angeles is hard and noisy, and smelly, and loud, and life will be tough, but that's life, and if I want to breathe life into my show, into my career, into the new life that I find myself living, I need a place like LA that is going to try to break me, that I can have a full-fledged blood-pumping, adrenaline-spewing battle with and come out victorious on the other side. Or fail. Or fail. Because that's an option. I do have offers. I have people that want to produce shows out there. I had a brief conversation with someone of some clout who has a theater and has the means to make it happen about actually putting on stage a, a one-man show based on Orson Welles, which I've been wanting to do for years. And and this producer brought the idea to me. Um, help, I, I would help to write it. I would help to execute it. I would be Orson Welles uh, doing magic. And, man, that's, that's a, a dream that I've been having for quite some time. I'd love to be able to do that. And, yeah, I could do it in Charlotte, but to do it in L.A. will be harder and more challenging and I'll put a better show on than I would produce in Charlotte. So I need the challenges in my life right now. I need the work challenges. I need the art challenges. I need to bury the emotional challenges and defeats and, and horrific 
fights that I had within myself uh, based on my personal life. I need to bury those things in the cemetery of Charlotte, come back to visit them every once in a while just to put flowers on the grave, but to focus my life on living my life. A good friend, and maybe I said this in the last podcast, I did not take notes this time, and I'm sorry, not sorry. A good friend mentioned to me, said to me, that I'm one of the most alive people she knows. And that may be one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in my life. I want to live... And in living, I want to give life to other people, which means I've got to make my heart stronger, which means I've got to make my art stronger, which means I owe you more. You you deserve it. The people that I put this out for, I mean, this may seem very masturbatory, this whole podcast thing, especially because as of yet, I don't do interviews. I don't... uh, I haven't brought other people in to spice it up or jazz it up. No, I'm I'm going solely on the fact that you're listening to me and you want to hear what I have to say. Very ego-driven, very masturbatory. I will say what I want to say and it'll go out and, the, and I will take all the responsibility for everything that goes out across these airwaves. And I don't see anything wrong with that. This is me giving. This is me giving of myself in the ways that I know how. And hopefully it reaches a part of you and my story uh, gives you hope, gives you life, gives you something. That's what I'm about. That's who I want to be. That's who I want to be remembered as, if I'm remembered as anything. I, uh, (laughs) uh, again, I don't think I told this story the last time. If I did, welcome back to it. I'm going to tell it again. It's short. It won't bore you, I hope. I was told that I have uh, I have a magnetic attraction from women that that the female of the species notices me either because of my confidence because of my skill because of my personality whatever it is I have got something that is attractive to the uh, the gentler gender question mark he says not wanting to offend anybody You tell me this six months ago, I wouldn't have believed it. You tell me a year ago, I sure as hell wouldn't have believed it. Um, I I still don't see it. But his wife confirmed it. (laughs) Um, Apparently, they came to see my close-up show at Genie. And she insisted that they go to a different room and watch me perform again. Because she liked the story. Because It was Silver Memories. Because she liked the magic. And she's not... As some magic wives are, not a big fan of magic in general. But she watched my show twice, and I'm going to paraphrase here because the the um, the actual words were um, a bit more vulgar than this, and I do realize that there are some more delicate ears listening uh, to this particular podcast. But her her revelation to her husband was, "I would have sex with him in front of you." That's how attractive he is. She's like, I won't, but I would. So, uh, and, and, and that was told to me directly. I don't know what to do with that information. I am certainly, I am not in any state of mind or heart or focus or concentration to be able to 
legitimately get into a relationship where I could contribute in an effective way to a relationship, that's still that's still some time in the future that that may happen. It'll happen when I least expect it. I understand, but right now I'm not ready to contribute to anything like that. Dating might be nice. Uh, the 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 concept right now in my head, and this this is where my my screwed up. Is how I know that I'm I'm not I'm too screwed up to have a relationship. The, the, the term dating to me sounds tedious. Uh, forgive me if that's, uh, if that's a bad thought, but to me, just the, the idea of trying to establish a relationship with someone, going out and getting to know someone and, and et cetera, et cetera, it seems, it seems very tedious and it seems a little plastic and it seems a little fake. I am, am, am relishing these days friendships more than anything else, people that I've known for some time, you know, or, or people that I've, I've at least had long conversations with that, um, that I can just relate to, that I can just talk to, that understand me or as good as anybody understands me. Um, but those are the things I, um, I'm cherishing right now. Uh, affection would be nice. Um, those are, those are some, you know, that, that hits me every once in a while that, uh, having affection in my life would be nice, but but I'm okay, you know, and, and I can deal with it. Uh, that brings up another topic. This this totally, I'm going to jump ship and go in a completely different direction because I think I'm getting a little, I'm not going to say too personal because I don't feel like if you know me and you're taking the time to listen to this, you understand how personal I can get. There's just no ending to that thought. There's no, um, you know, there's no, I will be ready for a relationship on X date there's not. This is just the way I feel right now, and, and there's no conclusion to that. It's just uh, this is how I feel. So, um, but it sparked another thought. I was accused for the very first time uh, during a show of being misogynistic. Uh, a young lady in a, a show on Friday night, late, I think it was the 1130 show, told me that my remarks, my comments, and my jokes were horribly misogynistic and that I obviously had a hatred for women. And I don't. Holy cow, I really don't. Um, so I, I noted the time that she said that in, in what part of the act she'd said that. And I apologized to her. Um, it, it didn't help. I was not forgiven. Um, she kind of shut down for the rest of the show, which was distressing. But there was nothing I could do about it at the time. And I didn't want to take away from the rest of the audience but I take things like that seriously. Um, and so when she said it, I noted it, and I noted what at what point in the show she said it to, to go back and examine later my own words. Um, and to the best of my ability, and, and I actually I took the problem to, uh, to Lily, who I trust implicitly, and I took the, I took the incident and reported it to Andrea as well to get their takes on it because... Uh, they are very sensitive uh, women in my life whose opinions I care about. And, and they've seen the act multiple times. And I'm going to stretch and say that they know my heart. They know uh, the kind of man that I actually am. So I asked them both. Uh, I got slightly different responses from each of them. But the core of what they were saying was uh, was identical enough 
to convict me of it and uh, to get me thinking about different directions to go. Um, Lily's initial response was, well, what are you going to do about it? Um, and I, I told her the part of the act that it happened in, and we had a long conversation about it's not just, it, it's not my right to tell an audience member that they don't have a right to be offended. If something I say offends them, for whatever reason, I have to accept that I have offended them. And I can either, I, I have to examine it and either change it or say, well, some people are just going to be offended uh, because the point I'm trying to make is important enough to where I'm going to risk offending someone. And there are several things that I say uh, or perform or do in my real life that, uh, that are at risk of offending someone. And in some of those cases, I just I believe the point so much that I will go, so be it, you're going to be offended uh, if you take it this way. But in this case, it's more of a joke um, that is initially offensive. There's a pillow that comes behind it. But apparently in this case, the pillow wasn't enough. And Andrea told me straight up, this is offensive because it, it implies a stereotype about all women um, when what I'm obviously trying to do is it, it's a thing. Well, maybe not so obviously. It's more of a thing directed towards me. Um, I, the, the pillow helps soften it. But according to her and her, and her take on it, uh, the initial line is uh, is off-putting and offensive. And the line is, it's straight up, um, it's part of uh, the uh, uh, Strange Engine Act that, that part of it ties into, into rugby, but there's a line where I tell a person, um, I'm going to ask you what your card was and I want you to lie to me. Now, if it is a man that I'm saying it to, I will say, look me in the eyes, pretend we are playing a high-stakes game of poker, or pretend I'm a woman and lie to me like you always do. Okay? If it is a woman that I'm asking to lie to me, the line is, I want you, I'm going to ask you what your card is. I want you, to look, I want you to lie to me. I want you to look me in the eyes and lie to my face like every other woman I've ever... And then I'll stop like, oh, no, no, that's, a, you know, I'm sorry, the bitterness, it, it came up too soon. So it's a variation. Um, but in delivering that line to a woman, the initial thought, the initial punch is that all women lie. And I had not examined that line because... In my head, in, in my presentation, and the way that I'm wanting it to come out is that I am bitter about a failed relationship, which I am. <laughs> um, so the, the entire line is, I want you to lie to me like every woman I've ever known. Oh, sorry, the bitterness. I don't actually come out and say the entire thing. I always interrupt myself and make a, a secondary pillow joke about, you know, the bitterness. It's my fault. It's not the woman's fault. But the initial, and then she's right, and Lily also confirmed this, the initial line is harsh towards, uh, uh, towards women. And in this day and age, it's unacceptable. Um, so it's being rewritten. Uh, that, that, that joke, that bit is being taken out of the act. If it was important, I wouldn't. I would uh, 
I would leave it in and and risk offending someone, but it is honestly, it's a throwaway line. It gets a great laugh. It gets a huge laugh from men and women. Um, Either way I tell it, whether whether I'm addressing a man or addressing a woman, each line does get a laugh. But my primary philosophy, and I've told you this already, boys and girls, I will not do something just because it plays. There's got to be a reason behind it. And if and if the the, the reason has de- de- generated or degraded or de-evolved to the point where it has become an offensive thing, it's out. It's done. It's Casper. I take it out of the act. So that line is being taken out of the act. And I tell you that whole story, that whole that whole relevatory thing is one. Yes, my act is constantly evolving. Yes, I am constantly uh, examining what I'm doing and the words that are coming out of my mouth. Um, And that's where excellence lies. I want to give the best that I can, and it it requires growth. And my point is, you can too. There is... Editing is so important, and and, then constantly reevaluating what you're doing is so important. The world is changing um, in in many, many different ways. Some of them I consider to be great, and some of them I consider to be horrifying. But the the fact of the matter is, it is changing. And in 2017, in October, that joke is no longer appropriate to come from my stage. Um, my, my, again, my point is, are you examining your act? Are you examining the things that are coming out of your mouth? People may not always tell you, I'm grateful that I was told. I'm grateful, in a way, I'm grateful that she took offense to the point of being able to speak up and saying, hey, that's not funny. I, I don't appreciate that. You, my listeners, my audience for this particular podcast, Those of you who watch me live, those of you who read my blogs or see the things that I paste on Facebook, if you, or any social media, all social media, if you see something where I seem to be oblivious to some kind of an offense, let me know. That, okay, here's, trigger a completely different story, Um, but the same thing. For years now, years and years now, I have been hashtagging, uh, when I'm traveling, I will hashtag uh, gypsy boots, all one word, gypsy boots. And I got it from a song. I got it from a song about an actual Roma gypsy. And I thought it was clever and cute and funny. And uh, people understood, you know, the sentiment behind it. Well, a friend of a friend um, let me know that perhaps that phrase wasn't uh, was no longer appropriate. And that gypsy is actually somewhat of a, of a slur, of, a, of, a, of a, a racial slur. And I had never, it just never crossed my white privileged mind that it might be. So I, uh, I went directly to the friend that, you know, was in question, who actually has uh, Roma heritage. And I asked her point blank. I said, is the phrase offensive? And her direct, immediate, blunt response was, I know your heart, and I know who you are, and I know you don't mean to be offensive, but yeah, it is. It's a slur. And and if I didn't know who you were, 
uh, it would offend me. But for whatever reason, um, she did not feel comfortable in telling me that directly. I'm, I'm glad I pursued it, and I'm glad I asked, and I've taken gypsy boots out of uh, my, you know, my posting. But it's the same kind of thing. Examine what's coming out of your uh, what's coming out of your mouth. There was a uh, a poster, a hand drawn poster that hung in my uh, in my kitchen in my former life. Life and death are created in the mouth. Watch what comes out. Be be responsible for for what you produce, and that includes the words you say, the uh, the work that comes out of your hands, the uh, the interactions you have with human beings every single day. I'm going to commit to that more myself and re-examine my entire act. That's how we grow, and that's how we we pull true love together in loving everybody and loving the entire audience in front of you, even the ten drunken fools that I still managed to entertain and send them away with love the best I could. <laughs> um, it, it is doable. It is possible. It takes perseverance and it takes patience and it takes awareness. But my friends, in the insane world that we live in, perseverance, patience, joy, and love are vital to our survival. Now, I'm going to give you an unpopular opinion. I think the world, the community, the people are way better off than the news likes to report. I do believe there's a lot of panic talk. Um, It doesn't matter which side of the political aisle you fall on. Someone is always evil and the worst person and should be locked away and and et cetera, and et cetera. And, and I'm standing in my corner and, whoa, 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 let's slow down the, letter, the rhetoric just for a minute. Let's have some food together. Let's talk like real human beings together. Let's understand each other and meet in the middle somewhere. I still think that's viable, and I still think that's an option. I still think that's our best bet going forward. Elect more humans. How about that? Maybe that's a that's a good hashtag or a good slogan or saying or, or whatever. Elect more humans. Huh. Have some compassion. I'm not going to sit here and get political. I'm not going to point fingers or say this person is bad or that person is good. We're all humans. We've all we're all product of our environments and our genetics, and we all see things differently. And and some may seem completely without care and and, and compassion, and maybe that's true. But what we can do is improve the world that is immediately around us. Be more neighborly. Love the people next door. Love the people you don't seem to get along with. Find more happiness. So I came back. I came back victorious from uh, 31 shows in seven days at the castle. Exuberant, uh, fulfilled, really happy, uh, ready to continue this journey, ready to, um, to get rid of the things that I have, the clutter in my life, and move to L.A. You know, with a lighter burden. 
Here's a here's a thing. I am going to be getting rid of most of my physical possessions. I want to keep my library, and um, and then that's about it. My clothes and my library. Everything else in the next month or two, uh, I'm going to be getting rid of. Either just flat out giving it away or or selling it at a at a insane price to have money to be able to uh, to be able to move. I have got electronic equipment. I've got monitors. Um, I have uh, bookshelves. Uh, I have couches. I have tables. Um, lots of kitchen stuff. If there's anything of mine you'd like, you know, get in touch. Uh, it'll be a more formal kind of a house sale, yard sale, whatever, happening sometime soon. But you know, that that's uh, the cleansing part of of my moving and getting that taken care of. Um, upcoming events, upcoming Hannibal stuff. I'm going to be uh, in Vancouver celebrating their magic, uh, their magic community's 75th year of existence, um, performing for the weekend. I'll be zipping back here to Charlotte and on November the 6th, which is next Monday, um, presenting an incredible show at Petra's Featuring my friends, uh, the Rambling Sailors, who were stage mates and friends of mine at Carolina Renaissance Festival, and have heart and shanties and and wonderful, wonderful uh, presentation they're going to put into song. Um, Jacqueline Hyde, who is a, a good friend and who does uh, street magic and uh, and 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 sideshow, come and see the show. Come and see it's going to be extraordinary. It's going to be amazing. There's a thing with a stapler that I'm just excited and dying to see. I will be presenting magic. I will be putting forth uh, rugby for the uh, for the Petra's crowd and uh, and doing it up right here. There'll be stories and there'll be soapboxing and 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 revelry. We're going to celebrate life and being alive and and I'm looking forward to it. November the sixth, uh, seven bucks at the door. It's a bargain price. Um, and we'll have some fun. I promise we'll have some fun no matter what happens. Uh, following that, the holiday season kicks in. I'll be doing the, the standard corporate gigs and the and the house parties and everything else. And I'm looking forward to that. And then with the new year comes me packing and moving. I need to... Uh, I think the plan is now that I'm going to attempt, I'm going to, attempt to buy a van. Um, if you know of anybody, <laughs> get in touch. Uh, attempting to buy a van, enough room to put the, the few physical um, pieces of wealth that I have into it and driving to California. I'll need a vehicle out there and having something that I can uh, put tables and such and so on into is going to be a great idea. So uh, the van idea is, is what I'm going with. And I'm going to take my time getting out there, put together a little bit of money, um, and take my time, take a leisurely drive across the United States, which at 52, I have not done before. I'm not going to be in an all-fired hurry to get there within a certain number of hours. I want to take a little bit of a leisure, alone time, see my country, think about where I'm going and what I'm about to do, and and arrive um, fresh and ready to go. Uh, that's that's kind of it. <laughs> That's what's going on in my mind this week. Um, 
Thank you for your ongoing support. Thank you for the supporting me on the Patreon account. Um, thank you for your, your notes and your, your asides and your friendship. Really, really grateful to have you in my life. Uh, oh, holy cow. Marillion is coming to North Carolina. <laughs> Marillion is coming. They'll be playing in Raleigh on, uh, in February. <laughs> Just as I move to the opposite side of the country, they're going to be here. Uh, I have a ticket to go. Um, and I'll work that out. But my favorite band of all time is uh, is, is coming to my hometown-ish. And they have a number one single on the charts for the first time in a very, very long time. Living in Fear is uh, is number one in the UK. And that's been a long time coming. And I'm proud of the boys. And uh, I'm glad I know them. I'm glad that I've been been on the journey that they took. And and they've, uh, they've helped and saved my lives. Maybe I'll devote one of these podcast sometime to introducing you to a little bit of their music. Maybe. I don't know. Let me know what you want to hear. Let me know if you have questions. Let me know if you have topics or things you want to talk about. I see you. I see your struggle. I, I watch you and the things that you post and the way that you, you the way that you live socially, you know, the public socially stuff, the the social media and everything. I see what you write. More than that, I hear your heart and I hear your feelings. And I want to tell you, it's going to be okay. It really, really, truly is. And, and things may get to absolute hell before they get okay. But you're alive and you're breathing. And you're here and, 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 and there's love. There really is love. And here I am if you need me. I will remain consistent uh, preaching this business for as long as as long as I can, as long as there's somebody listening, as long as there's somebody interested. Um, you know, I, I will let my opinions be known. Find the magic in your life. Find find your abilities and pursue them, and 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 find happiness in the work that you do. You're an exceptional, amazing human being. You are a collection of of ancient stardust. You've, you've literally, your body has seen it all in the process of time. And it is exciting to be alive. And sometimes that means scary and terrifying. But you are loved and you are made of love. So hold on to that. Um, this will be going out on Tuesday, uh, October 31st, Halloween, the the time that I consider the end of summer, Halloween day, uh, Halloween night, following into All Saints Day, that's that marks my season. I can, I know it, it's already happened. It's been several weeks since the official end of summer, but since my childhood, Halloween has always marked the beginning of fall, the beginning of time to change, the beginning of the new life. And that means more to me this year than it ever has. I'm starting a new life. I still have old friends, but I'm making new ones. There's, there's new excitement, new joy, new happiness, and new love in me, in my heart, in my soul, than has ever been at any time that I've been alive. I'm grateful for you. And uh, hell, I couldn't do it without you, right? Where would I be without you, the people that love me?
I promise to keep loving you. And there's no if on the end of that sentence. I promise to keep loving you. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Send me your feedback. Share. Subscribe. Tell a friend. (laughs) Tell me. Tell me you hate it if you absolutely hate it. Um, I'm open to suggestions. Not exactly new to this anymore, but I'm still in my freshman year. How about that? We'll talk soon. I sincerely hope that there's love where you are.
I do wish we could chat longer, but I'm having an old friend for dinner. Bye.